On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Good evening, Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this warm 13 <laughs> degrees Wednesday night. I'm not so sure there, Warren Diego. G'day to you. How are you going tonight? 13 degrees. I'm, I'm working off Liverpool time. And Liverpool weather, oh, it's is, warm. That's damn hot. Uh, Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Nice to be here. Hello, listeners. Yeah, nice to see you, Vinny. Um, and Carlos, good to see you. Hi, Rodrigo, and hello, boys, and hello, listeners out there. We're fresh from uh, the big oh. uh, presentation night for the Diego's on the weekend. Oh, jeez. It? it was. It was. Our so own very, uh, Melbourne Victory <laughs> sponsored it. Yeah, that's right. They, they bought the But it was the a Diego's presentation night. Mm, no, it was a good night. Yeah. We'll get into that uh, very, very shortly. Thanks to Finey, of course. It was a great show. And uh, Zanners and... And Jeff Poulter, of course, on before the Diego's. Always uh, good to listen to the boys. Um, and finally, we'll be back tomorrow from 7. Hey, send us your text messages tonight on 0433981116. Any topic you want to talk about. Uh, it is the off-season for us here, but uh, still a lot of stuff happening in and Europe heaps, at the moment. Heaps. heaps happening in Europe. A bit happening in the meat market as well. We'll get into that uh, here in the A-League. Or give us a call on your thoughts, 94291116. Tonight's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Uh, boys, uh, you know, we, we, we've got a bit to talk about tonight. Um, why don't, why, Warren, why don't you start tonight? Uh, I beg with, your pardon? Warren, why don't you start? About what? With, with your oh, critiquing. Which, which the, okay. We want you to critique the Melbourne Victory Medal Night. I, 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 nearly, I actually nearly finished the sentence. Critiquing? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I mean, tell, I tell, we, we, for me, you know we, what that means? For me, it was <laughs> it was a, it was cruel and unfortunate punishment. No, no, look. Could, to could be you honest, just with set you, it up for our listeners out there. Palladium, Palladium Ballroom, actually black tie fair. Actually, yeah. side where, story. Where were we? Come on, where were Crown? I was okay. just about to do all that, Carlos, just quietly. <laughs> but uh, keep going. No, no, we were at the Melbourne Victory Medal Evening. Yes, where they recognised the achievements of. Their players across all their teams, their youth team, their women's team, and their men's team. And there's a there's a gathering of luminaries, you know, mm. within the city. I don't know how I got invited, but I was. And thanks to Ian Robson and, and Kevin Musket and all the guys who had the Diego's there. So we rock along. I bought a black tie, especially for the occasion. Yep. You look very dapper. Yeah, thank you very much. And you guys were there before me, so <laughs> you made me walk in by myself, which is pretty typical. And I had to walk straight past Kevin Musket. Um, did he say hi? Yeah, he did oh. in a in a in a fashion. He said. <laughs> um, so we had the evening, and there was some really significant awards given: golden boots, um, also players' player, which was Marco Rojas, and then we had the victory medal, and that was a countdown of. It was actually Brownlow like. It was Brownlow like yeah. a, a maximum of uh, twelve votes. I think you could get six maximum. So it was, but it it was a bit. It was a bit flat because they had so few good players this season. <laughs> oh, that's a bit hard. No, I won't say that. Compare, it really, it to, compare it to the Melbourne City Brownlow Which was a barbecue, which was barbecue <laughs> yeah. down by the house. Yarra. Yep. Yeah, that was a pretty good night and the sausages were sensational. Yeah, but, but the finger food was good. Yeah. That, look, can I say, the food 
was sensational. Well, Fornaroli made sangria, didn't he? Yeah, the venue was the venue was great. And look, Carl Valeri, who won the evening, won the victory medal. He beat James Ferrissi. And can I say, it was really through his performances in the final mm. series that had him win it. And for a guy that's come back from that illness that he had last season, and you could see why victory is is a strong club, tight, tight, tight club, yeah. because it was significant to me about the words spoken, not only by Kevin Musket and Carl Valeri, but the chairman himself, who they spoke about the significance of the club. I think what you said off air, Carlos, they were flat. Clearly, the losing and the method of the way they lost the grand final really meant that the room was buoyant around the club and the future and the determination to get better. But they were all pretty gutted, yeah, I think, but, about uh, the way they'd lost. Carl Valeri, the legend that he is. Yep. Is, and fantastic speech, very moving speech. I think he had everyone in you know, mm. tears. We, we were all connecting. Fantastic leader. What he did say, and this is the difference, I think, with victory from what I can gather compared to your little barbecue you went to for Melbourne City. <laughs> Valeri said, I would, I would gladly trade in the medal for another, what, five minutes, ten minutes on the yes. park v Sydney to just bring it home because we, we had them on, on the rails. That's what he said. To be fair to Melbourne City, I'm pretty sure those players, they were in that same position. Yeah. They're competitive animals. They would be probably wanting the same thing. But um, but I, got to, I haven't been to a Melbourne City you know, best and fairest night. I got to say, in the in the existence of that club, but I got a real sense of uh, the the tight knit, you know, family, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, feel of that you whole did. club. And yep. even when Carl Valeri was actually giving his speech, notice that you know it's a pretty big, you know, uh, hall, the mm. the Palladium, and he was just directing his 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 to, the, his, to his yeah, own players. His, you know, the, just looking at the players' tables and the and their families. That's all he was I, doing. I think you said it on the night cast. Yeah. It's very much a players' night. You yeah. know, they are tired. They want a holiday. It's like their you know f- farewell for the season. Um, it was good. And and um, look, I, I mean, I'm, I had a, I had a pretty good time. It was very interesting. Um, Natasha Dowie won everything in the uh, yeah women's. Yeah. She won the victories women's medal, the golden boot, and the player, Spoke player from of the year. America, where yeah, she's playing. That's true. Via satellite, as did yep. uh, George Calambaras. Spoke yes, via satellite. I, um, I actually I thought he might have been in the big house, but no, <laughs> <laughs> it was via satellite from somewhere. Can I say though, you guys in general, I do have this public criticism to make. Unlike the Melbourne Victory players that seem very tight and supportive of each other, as a Melbourne City <laughs> fan, you left me isolated and vulnerable at times to attack from, you know, various... I mean, I was confronted by Kevin Musket at one stage. I was worried, but no, I wasn't really. But I felt a bit uncomfortable in the room, and I felt that you weren't going to support me if it became <laughs> widely known that I was a Melbourne City fan, which I was. Yeah, but on your own, look, it was worth... <laughs> it was even worth... For me to go because Warren, did I, I gain didn't, a greater? Warren, I didn't even want you to come. <laughs> well, I didn't really want to be there, but I must admit I did gain a real appreciation for the inner workings of the club. And you go to those things, and there's no sh- anything they say about Melbourne Victory in terms of spirit and desire and that it's not put on. It's actually yeah. real, and it's generated by the guys who need to generate it, and that's the players themselves. Uh, and, and by their chairman down, really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was a very passionate club. It was a great night. So uh, yeah. thanks to SEN, of course. We were on the SEN table with uh, Francis Lee. <laughs> Even Francis yep. bagged me too. I mean, it's a bit <laughs> disappointed, really. Yeah, that was a great night. So, oh, yeah. um, 
Hey, and, and, and we had uh, some sponsors from Bataki there as yeah. well. And, yeah. uh, so the very, Bataki very girls. Nice, nice people. They yep. were there as well. It's uh, 14 minutes past 11. Well, there was uh, the Fort Diego's excellent adventure to the uh, victory medal night, of course. And uh, But now it's time to go to the UK and catch up with our man from the sun.co.uk and from the sun itself, Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Rodrigo here. We've got Vinny, Carlos, and Warren as well. You're on. It sounds like you're on the train there, Mike. Yeah, it's like, like the old days when I spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, and it uh, sounded like this where you're cutting and out as well. <laughs> are, you th- are you there, Mike? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm here. <laughs> oh, I'm good, here. good. Mike, um, first question from me, and I, I do want to celebrate the achievement of Chelsea and stuff, but... I was having a discussion with Carlos before the show and we looked at the table and the fact that South Mel- Southampton have finished eighth on the table with 48 points and from there down, I think we might have lost Mike. You still there, Mike? No, I think we've, uh, we've lost Mike. That sounded like a, um, like a phone going dead. But when, no, it what pretty much sounded like Warren? he just, hung just up. Keep, keep Look, the thought going. In, a general, in a general sense, I wonder if this is the most mediocre season in terms of the performance of mid-table teams or below for only one team outside of the top six to finish up with 50 points or more, and that's Everton who have finished with 61. But Southampton are in eighth position on 40, 45. 45 points. So from eighth down to 20th, 19th or whatever it is, you've got teams that have not managed to score, not managed to gain points totals. When in traditional Premier League thing talk, we used to say 40 points would keep you up. Yep. Well, nowadays it just doesn't happen. Hey, Mike, uh, we've got you back. You there? Yes, I'm, I'm right here. Yes, and coming through uh, loud and clear. Warren was talking about this, uh, the fact that there's no, there seems to be no middle of the table anymore in the uh, Premier League. Because if you, if you look from eight, eight down to bottom... Um, you know, there's not a lot of points separating separating those. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. Um, I remember it was recently, um, I think West Ham, when they said... Yeah, I think... Up, uh, from, a re- from relegation to about 13. And that can happen this season with um, with Palace. You know, they, they, they were fighting relegation last Sunday. Yeah, they could be mid-table. By the end of it, it seems like there's a lot of Mike, it's Carlos. Um, any chance, of course, all the interest this weekend is on which teams will end up in the top four. Uh, we've got Manchester City and Liverpool in there at the moment, it's third and fourth. Of course, Chelsea's won the league and Tottenham's uh, easily in second. Uh, any chance that uh, at home Liverpool drop points or lose the game against Middlesbrough, a team that's been relegated, and Arsenal beat Everton at home, even though they're in a rich vein of form at the moment? Any chance that Liverpool might stumble? Uh, I wouldn't give them any chance of stumbling. I just think it's, <clears throat> it's not a case of turning up and winning, but it's almost as good as. I just think that uh, Borough are obviously thinking about next season. Liverpool have their eye on the on the prize. And I, unfortunately, I, I like a bit of excitement on the final week, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I could just see that one being a pretty straightforward win for Liverpool. 
Mike, I've got a question about Arsenal. Four wins in 10 days. Give themselves an outside chance of making top four. Is it an indictment? And it's really been led by Alexis Sanchez, who almost single-handedly grabbed them and said, let's have a, a crack at trying to make top four. Is, an indi- is it an indictment on their season? Or is it a reflection of the potential that they have if they manage to keep him and bring some other players in? And where's it leave Arsene Wenger? As much as he hasn't clearly communicated the future, where does it leave him around their performance in the last 10 days? I'd probably say the former rather than the latter in those two scenarios. I think it's been a really poor season for them. Um, And I just can't can't believe they've left it so late again. Um, It seems that every season they leave it late because the top four and this time it's not been... uh, uh, it's too late. I think it's and Mike, uh, Vinny here. I'm just wondering, uh, is, are you there? Yeah, I think we've... That's uh, another tunnel. I think we've lost Mike again, just, just quietly. He kind of feels like he's there, but he's, uh, <laughs> we've lost him in the tunnel, I think, Vinny. Um, what was the point you were going to make? I was just, I'm just wondering whether uh, com- comparing Man U season... Uh, or where they where they are at the table this year compared to where they were last year under Van Gaal, whether they would uh, think that they've improved. Yeah. Do you think they've improved? Uh, I think. Look, I think. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, they didn't win enough games this year. They went on long unbeaten streaks. I think the sixteen games. They got yeah, to close yeah, to sixteen yeah, or more. No, long unbeaten streaks, uh, and they played that Dow football that Jose's known for. But they didn't have the flair to really convert a, a lot of those. Uh, draws and uh, into wins, and that was a problem. So in the end, I think, uh, you know, what will make it a, a decent sort of a year for Manchester United is if obviously they win the Europa Cup. That's not a given against Ajax, who, you yeah, know... No, they should. They should. I mean, Ajax are a young team. They finished second in, yeah, in yeah, the Eredivisie you... anyway. So it's not like Ajax have taken every all before them. They're just a young team that's done really, really well. I think about seven or eight of their players come out of their youth academy, and that's what everyone's really excited about. But really, this Manchester United side, I know Slatan uh, Ibrahimovic is not going to be playing, but they've got enough talent in there. They should, they should win the Europa League uh, final. And I think the spotlight would be on Jose if they don't. I know it comes down to one game, but if, if they don't win that, suddenly that, that's a failure this year. Uh, being in the top four is really important for them, not only just by way of you know, appeasing all their fans around the world, but also uh, the fact that you know, financially it's going to hit them hard. Apparently, you know, Adidas, their, their shirt suppliers, uh, their contract gets reduced by 30% if they don't make the top four, <laughs> if they don't play in the Champions League. So, I mean, we're talking about 30% of millions of dollars here. Yeah. So uh, it's a big hit financially to a club that's on, on the stock market and uh, take pride in the fact that they're up there with some of the bigger turnovers of big clubs around the world. Do you think they're closer to getting their, their Fergie mojo back, though? Uh, yeah, I, no, for, uh, Jose will sort this out. You know, I know it's been a you know, long time between, between drinks uh, when Fergie last won the league and retired, and, and then you know, Moyes came in and Van Gaal. I mean, it's been very poor for a while, and it was always going to take a bit of a rough year in transition with Jose Mourinho. He wasn't going to just come in with the squad they had and suddenly and suddenly play champagne football. He's not known for champagne football anyway. So he's got to get to that point where he gets the squad he wants. Uh, the squad he wants, I mean, they're, they're, I think uh, 
from what I hear, James Rodriguez from Real Madrid. Even Gareth Bale has yeah, been mentioned. Yeah. But Carlos, I mean, I'm interested to but know. If they get a couple of those type of players, it's not down to Jose's you know, pragmatic style of football. These guys have the flair to make it a good champagne football type club, which Manchester United is known for. But do they fall into this? Do they, are they different than a Liverpool who finish outside the top four and the ability to attract the... Fifty million pound player or the greater, and then they forage around at those twenty twenty five million players who are happy to play Champions League if it comes along, but accept that playing a regular game of Premier League and making eighty hundred thousand pound a week is going to be good for me. Do they fall into that same category, or do they get Rodriguez yeah. and Bale if they don't make top the, four? They see themselves as mm. the Galacticos. Right, and Jose only coaches teams that are the Galacticos. You know that's sort of a, a view of the way he he wouldn't go to Liverpool and coach that team because it's too much hard work. Yeah. In yeah. That uh, the reason why Klopp's got the best out of Liverpool, or as far as he's they used go, to doing that, is because of the hard, intense style of play that they adopt every week, week in, week out, and that's probably why they had their moments during January because. During the heavy yeah. traffic period with a lot of games, and you're playing that they high... They couldn't keep that intensity. Uh, they, you just couldn't do it. And they train like that too. Yep. So that's why people... I mean, Sturridge. No wonder he, he's yeah, hardly yeah, he played a game. Because he's asked to train so hard. That's Absolutely. So that's where Klopp gets the best out of his teams. But Jose is more reliant, even though tactically he's very good, he's more reliant on the bigger names to win games but for does him. does Bale come to Man U if they don't play Champions League? I'd be surprised if Bale... I mean, they've got to play... A, they'll, they'll have to pay a world record mm. fee for Gareth Bale, given his mid-contract at Real Madrid. And I think he signed something that's he gone up... He did an to, extension. Yeah, yep. to 2020. So they're going to be paying huge dollars. But Manchester United see themselves as that sort of club. They see themselves as a Real Madrid, Barcelona in a transfer market, Manchester City... So they could, I'll tell you, it's going to be a, a real dogfight. It'll be very interesting to see who they pick up. It's going to be very interesting to see, uh, obviously, with one, one game to go for, uh, for the English Premier League. What about in the Championship? Just uh, before we go to a break, um, Aaron Moyes-Huddersfield take on Sheffield Wednesday in the, uh, the second leg of their uh, playoff, for, for obviously, uh, to be uh, promoted to the English Premier League. Uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 4.45 I've got here. So Sheffield Wednesday take on Huddersfield. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first game. Um, there's some similarities between Huddersfield and Man City. I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, Melbourne City. Oh, Melbourne City. Melbourne okay, City. Yeah. I'll tell you what they are. <laughs> they, both well, both, they both wear blue. Right. Or they, they both want blue. They both have Aaron Moy. And equally, Aaron Moy has run both those teams for the whole <laughs> of the season. Huddersfield ended up finishing fifth in the championship with a goal difference of minus two. I think they've won <laughs> 20 games or so this season, 1-0, and have lost away from home multiple. That's why they've ended up being that way. Dominated possession, dominated play. Aaron Moy, it's like watching him play for Melbourne City. He takes all the free kicks. He takes all the crosses. Everything goes back through him. He's the absolute fulcrum of that team. And look, he's not probably getting the shots on goal that we would have seen him at Man, at Melbourne City getting forward. But it's amazing to see him in that team almost playing the but same way. Win tomorrow, no, maybe. I wouldn't have thought so. Sheffield... At, at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, probably they might. But they're a hard team to beat. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to extra time or whatever because Huddersfield haven't conceded. They don't concede a lot. They don't score a lot. Um, but it was really interesting to watch it. And... You've often talked, Carlos, about this time and 
it's a really interesting time. Huddersfield have got this brand new stadium, looks fantastic. Fans get there and, you know, the next rounds, which are the Wembley games coming through, there's so much at stake and you can feel it. And for a team like Huddersfield that have been, I think, eight years promoted from the second division to the championship, but never been anywhere near this position. Like I think last season they were, you know, fourth last or yeah. something. Never been in this position. Um, you can imagine their fans are so excited no. about this. And a team like Sheffield Wednesday, been a big, been a club that's played first division previously, and and other and and stuff. So it's it's really interesting. I think. Um, Fulham got beat this morning yeah, by Red- Reading's, um, in, the Reading. Reading's yeah. in the final. Yep. And regardless what happens, my boy's future, it's going to be in the EPL in the Premier League with the big boys, I, I think? You think? It, I think it's got to be. It's, it's got to be in the Premier League. And uh, apparently Newcastle United and Crystal Palace have already tabled bids <laughs> for him. Um, I just hope he picks a club where he's going to be an important player at that club, which means he'll play regularly uh, for his own development. I, I'm a firm believer that Aaron Moy could probably play in any team in the NPL and look a good player. Because I think the better the team, the better he will be. Uh, he's just got a fantastic technique, very strong on the ball, and he's a, a very clever player. It's pretty exciting. Next year, he'll definitely be in the English Premier League. Newcastle United and Brighton have already been promoted to the English Premier League, just in case uh, you don't know that. And uh, it'll be between, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday and Huddersfield. Um, someone will take, one of those two teams will take on Reading uh, for the next spot in the uh, English Premier League. So let's take a break and come back with more of the Four Diego's here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. This has been a hot and sweaty but strangely arousing Pelé moment. By the four Diegos. Thanks for joining us on this uh, cool Wednesday night. 13 it's degrees, warm, as Warren said. Diego, warm is 13. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We we tried. We had Mike McGrath for a little while, but uh, clearly the metro uh, rail or whatever they call it over there, the underground, in, tube. Uh, the tube. tube. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, haven't been there for a long, long time. Mm. Um, clearly, uh, it's yeah, good. Didn't, didn't cut I was surprised. Hey, Peter and Chalham, Huddersfield won a hat trick of titles in the late nineteen twenties. Yeah, Jamie McLaren should be signed up by Melbourne City. There you go, Warren. Yeah. What do you think of that? Oh well, he won't go there. He's going to Germany. I wouldn't have thought that you'd need him with Fornaroli, but that's just me. There you go. Hey, let's start talking about uh, some local stuff. And if Channel Seven have made a, a late move. <laughs> have they? That's what I've heard. Or as if if they gone to Channel Seven and had well, a chat to him. Well, let, let me let <laughs> yeah. me spin it this way, yeah. Carlos. Um, <laughs> Channel Seven uh, put in a well. They 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 made a move ages ago, but uh, clearly the FFA said uh, no. That's not enough money. Yeah, you know because they they uh, they couldn't do a deal back then. But uh, do you think the FFA have gone cap in hand and said we need we need a free to wear partner? Um, how, would you do it for? This much is it a TV rights deal when the please when the organisation is paying the TV provider to actually put it on? Is that a rights deal or is that another term? Yeah, no, Look, selling your soul. No, the, the, that's the, not the, issue, the issue of footballs had because when they had the deadline where the free to air networks could put their bid in or you know you know give an appearance that they're going to be interested in the, in bidding for the rights and and no one bid unfortunately so the only one on <laughs> always the table, awkward Carlos yeah, yeah, always absolutely. awkward so the FFA then went to the ABC hoping that. 
they could talk to them. Obviously, you know, things weren't... Got other things on their mind. Yeah, yeah, probably, you know, they're not going to give it the respect it needs. And suddenly the FFA have probably thought, well, if we've got to put it on a non-commercial network like the ABC where we can't really you know, get the value from our sponsors because they're limited on a place like the ABC. Let's try and go to a, another free-to-air that probably hasn't got the cricket during summer, which is Channel 7, and uh, let's talk to them. But, I mean, by all, uh, according to all the, um, uh, you know, reports on in the media about this, uh, Channel 7, it'll be on their terms. If they do take it on, it'll be more, you know, probably very little cash involved. It'll be more... You know, contra deal where Channel Seven will promote the league, and you know, FFA will give them the rights to have and one sponsors game. will come on board, maybe because they're well, on free to air. You know, it's just a horrible situation, yeah. I, and I really understand now why the clubs, the A League clubs, uh, are losing faith rapidly in the leadership there at the FFA. I mean, and and, uh, and it's not that the deals that they haven't got aren't appropriate for the viewership or the audiences that they attract on Fox Sports. It's more about the fact that David Gallup came out and said he really he really beat this thing up. He really, you know, the expectations he set for football with their next TV rights deal with the Foxtel and so forth, 80 million. In the end, they got 57 or so with a bit of contra here and per there year. per year, mm. right? And uh, he was suggesting they'd get double what they usually have. And so we're all thinking, okay, we're going to get around a double. And it just never happened. And from what, I, you know, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing is what we got was actually more commensurate to you know, our audiences. So why are we saying that we're going to get double when you know, talking it up? What, so the expectations are very high. And so it was a letdown when, when they got what they got. And, and we may not get very much money from a free-to-air deal anyway. Carlos, do we know if the Channel 7 Contra deal also included a table at the Logies or something <laughs> like that? Is there anything? Yeah. No, no I'm not sure, Vinny. I'm there sure. are some issues, though, free-to-air. You're only dealing notionally with two commercial free-to-air networks now because Channel 10, they've got as much money as what I have in my back pocket, which is nothing. So, yeah, yeah, but Fox, no, if, if they can't strike a deal with the ABC or Channel 10, Channel 7, my understanding is it goes it roots back to Fox Sports. Fox Sports can uh, just take the free-to-air rights and pay a minimal amount, a nominal amount to the FFA, and then on-sell those rights. And they're talking about on-selling it to their, you know, the, the stable mate, which is Channel 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all part of the yeah, same yeah, ownership. Well, so, yeah. so I think we'll get it on either Channel 7 or Channel 10, but we're really starting a, financially. It, exposure-wise, it's going to be good. But financially, for the for the code, it's not going to be that great. Well, apparently, from what, the article that I read, uh, Channel 7's initial offer was almost a contra, yeah. as Vinny was saying, but not, not necessarily for a table at the Logan, yeah. <laughs> but for promotion of the game, heavy yeah. promotion of the game. Yeah. But, uh, but heck, they're talking about heavy promotion of the game on the number two channel. That's mm. true. Seven, mate. Yeah, the, the channels of yeah. seven. Yeah, See, absolutely. it's a very interesting um, new landscape, isn't it? You don't, you know, being on Channel 10 or Channel 9 or Channel 7 doesn't mean you're in the main game. You could no. be on the on the cousin, you know, the yeah, idiot yeah. cousin or something like that. <laughs> but that's still, but Vinny, that still gets big numbers um, if people know it's on there. Yeah. Uh, an, an example I've used many times is the the night when I think the Matildas played in the World Cup uh, in Canada, uh, their first game, and it was on Seven Mate. And I think that same week there was a derby, uh, either a Melbourne derby or a Sydney derby, and that woman women's game without any promotion at all. Uh, trebled the amount of viewers than the Derby did on the weekend on Fox. So it does make a hell of a difference, but people have got to know it's on there. 
So what's the problem with SBS keeping it? Does it not get as much exposure? Well, you know, across you know nationwide. Well, I, I think I think yeah, I think that's people aren't used to watching SBS. Uh, I think they don't respect the game anymore. Anyway, they put it on SBS two. Uh, SBS two is nowhere near say you know the secondary channel on channel mm. seven or channel nine. Uh, they just tuck it away somewhere and they're not really interested. You know, and you just. I mean, the problem with Channel 7 I have, and I know I'm going back a long way, guys. I know we ah, protested too. Yes, we protested. Nobody screws football like Channel 7, <laughs> if you remember that campaign. Uh, our good friend Con Monteleone all those years ago got the stickers printed, and I think this, I think I've still seen some cars with those stickers there. Uh, let's just hope the management of today is not the same as the management of the early 2000s. I think when Channel 7 had the rights and they just warehoused the sport, and uh, just created a lot of problems mm. by doing so. Be very interesting, interesting to see who, uh, what happens with the uh, free to air rights uh, for the A League for next season. Hey, uh, we were talking about the Melbourne Victory Medal night, but uh, it was a bit of a sombre night anyway because that was the day that um, the cull, the cull, basically, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Vinny, you spoke to uh, FBK Ben Calfalar, great, great man, great lovely man. man. Yeah, he, was he philosophical? He was he was calm and composed. You know, I, I felt that he looked a bit solemn because he was sort of standing up watching things and he was... Was he walking around like he walked off when he gets subbed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't walking at all. <laughs> he was just... So I don't know, but he was a really nice guy. I had a lovely chat with Actually, him. Actually, Vinny, um... we've got a little bit of audio of you talking to uh, uh, Fahid right now. <laughs> it's, hello, Vinny, how are you? <laughs> Good to see you. I am very happy to be here, even though they are calling me. He yeah, said okay. things like that, yeah, things okay. to that extent. But he was good. He was a good guy. And we'll get him on this show. <laughs> yes. He, we would have had him tonight, Yes, uh, people, but he was flying out. He's flying out to, yeah. to France. I, I don't mm. know if that's because he's he's doing, you know, not, not doing the business, but yeah. doing, doing a business deal <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. what. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I think Alan Burrow finished in the top five in the uh, – in the victory medal and finished fourth actually fourth mm. well I said yeah. he finished yeah, in yeah. the top five and was <laughs> boned on the night in terms of given his um he was given cut. his march yeah, because Reese Williams I, uh, yeah. was signed and confirmed yeah, but, as a signature shortly after the victory night yeah but I think we're maturing as a sport I've always said that our prongs should be foreign prongs. Or the, the the marquees, the visa players should be prongs. Like, like in China, for instance, the the marquees are the yeah, are the prongs. Exactly right. So <laughs> gone are the days. So surely we could find a young kid, you know, who's a hack, who can just play centre <laughs> half, just mark Bruno. So Reese Williams is a hack. Is that what you're uh, saying? So a young kid. I mean, Reese Williams probably won't play in the middle of defence. He'll probably play in midfield. He's too good to play to play as a stopper. But I just think. We've just got to just make a rule that listen, don't bring you know visa <laughs> so players from who are defenders. Do you want the new curriculum to just make hacks? <laughs> yeah, hacks hacks with a heavy touch. That's all I want. You uh, can write the no ball time. And, and by the way, you know it just opens the door for someone like Thomas Deng who was on loan to PSV. And he's back. It'd be good and to have him back. Absolutely. And the, I, I was actually quite upset when he left, uh, and you know. His manager rang me because he heard me on radio complaining about it. He said, look, it's for his own good. He goes over there. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here's another one we're going to lose. And he's going to be lost in the system over there, in, even the good you know, system as, as PSV's system. But it's good after a year he's come back. He would have learnt. He refined his skills and so come back now. And he'll be plonked right in the middle of that defence. He's a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. We've got him here. We can so, nurture him. So that's confirmed that he, he's yeah, coming he's, back? Yeah, he's coming back, Fantastic. definitely. Yeah, which yeah. is great. And, uh, and that means under the 
you know, the watchful eye of uh, Kevin Musket. Oh, sorry, not Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Musket and also Ange Postacoglu or whoever the next coach is going to be. And that's, you know, once you rush these, mm. these kids into, this, into the Socceroo team, suddenly they blossom too. Sometimes, you know, if you, put, if you give them, you know, important A-League exposure and then Socceroo exposure, even the 19, 20, 21, that's as good, I believe, an education as you, what you'd get overseas. The other players uh, to be cut were Nick Ansell, uh, as uh, Warren said, Alan Barrow, uh, Fabian Kafala, Rashid Mahazi, uh, George Howard, um, yeah. who really didn't get a look in in no. a number of years. Yeah, he, he, he had his opportunities. Goalkeepers are easy to cull, though, aren't they? Well, seemingly, they, they, yeah. Alistair Bray and Lucas Spinella were the two, and Daniel yeah. Georgievsky, uh, who the master medalist yeah. uh, is, is off as well. To be fair to a lot of those players, a lot of them made the decision to go too. I mean, Georgievsky. Had signed, signed. With, signed with Jets. I think the official word with Ansel is that he's, it's time for him to go and look at overseas opportunities. He's young enough, um, and he isn't a hack of a defender. He mm. actually can play a bit. Um, and, um, but Barrow wasn't extended, and uh, Mahazi, well, he's, he's left for personal reasons and actually retired from football indefinitely. You know, he's got to go back to Kenya uh, for the, the family. The one who, reasons, who so. hasn't signed yet is Troisi. That's a really interesting one. You would have thought that I would have sorted that out. And for them not to have sorted out, my, my, and speculating. I, no I, town hall? No, no town hall. Cause I'm, <laughs> they won't let me in that town hall. I tried to. <laughs> this I tried is a very to, sensitive moment yeah, in, in the season. Yeah, no, That's, I think for them not to have made a decision now and Troisi not to have stormed out, I reckon they're close. All right? Okay. If, if they yeah. weren't close yeah, right now, because they would have been talking you know, in the last bit of the year. So if they're not close right now, um, you would have thought that uh, you know, Troisi would have just stormed out and joined someone else. Can I say one thing? Highlight package sensational, great player, done lots of things. I just get a sense with him, he's one of those guys that's going to end up his career. You're going to look up Wikipedia, and he's going to have about 27 clubs listed. He so? just seems to... Well, so? So? I'd like to... Loyalty's important to me, Carlos. <laughs> if, loyal, if loyalty wasn't important to me, I wouldn't come in here every Wednesday night and cop what I cop from you. Loyalty, so loyalty's, loyalty's important. Loyalty's all about being loyal while you're at the club that you've No, 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 I don't. It's not about staying at the same club forever. No, no, I don't think... Once I, you put... I think it's a poor reflection on a guy if he's going to have 27 clubs. He stays a year, goes somewhere else not, for a year, not, not if goes he's somewhere given, else. Not if he's given his, his, his all at all of those clubs and not taking shortcuts and not being lazy and not given a required effort. Was Mark Milligan loyal? It's been a few clubs. Too. Yeah, but he stays more than a year. Goes somewhere else. I think the uh, the World Cup, especially if we qualify for the World Cup, would be very important for James Troisi. I think he might want to stay under the nose of the national selector. That's but, important uh, to him. I agree. Right? Well, he yeah. barracks for victory. The, but, nas- but, the national coach he, barracks for victory but, like everyone else. But James would have, uh, you know, Troisi would have, would regard himself quite highly, okay? Internally. As he should, because he's a good player. You know, he, His he, team internally yeah, would, yeah, yeah, he, would rate they, himself. They, they would rate themselves pretty highly, His that team. His self-talk would be robust. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so for he, he would be looking at, you know, going to a place like Sydney FC, right? They haven't got any room for um, – because he wants marquee status. They haven't got any room for marquee there. Uh, West Sydney Wanderers, well, I mean, they would have made a bid for him already. Um, and who else is there? Uh Big clubs, um, we're running out of big clubs with, with money. If you, if you miss those two there and you haven't got victory. Well, Sydney have just signed, obviously, their 
Yeah, yeah, and and Melbourne City, I don't think he'll ever go to Melbourne City, and uh, Melbourne City have got their marquees, have they? No, Colazzo's gone, so they've got an opening there. It would be very interesting if he he went to the Crosstown Rivals. Very interesting. Hey, we need to take a break now and come back with uh, more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Argentina's biggest and best supported club, Boca Juniors, were founded in 1905 by an Irishman named Patrick McCarthy and a group of Italian immigrants. The founding members, unable to decide what colours to play in, chose to adopt the national colours of the next ship to sail up the River Plate. The boat was Swedish, hence Boca's strip of blue and yellow. This has been a useless trivia moment by the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us tonight on a Wednesday night. Uh, just here off the text messages, uh, Dean in Crib Point, is Batistuta still going to Adelaide? There's talk about um, Christian Zieger. Ziegel, uh, f- former German, German. international. Uh, they're, they're talking to him. There's a few Didn't he have a mohawk names. at the World Cup could many have, years ago? Could have, Vinny. That's a good get. Um, uh, who knows what's going to happen in Adelaide, but please, whatever you do, look at the CV. If they haven't coached, don't sign them. Adelaide, please. Make that a rule. I want to know <laughs> who's going to coach before, City. Just don't sign. When are they going to sign? Hey, we're not talking about City right now. <laughs> okay, we're talking about Adelaide and better students. City haven't got a coach. Can, can we move on, Roderick? We can. Can Koshi take the FFA to China next season and leave them there? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's pretty funny. I want to. See, uh, I want to ask Scott Munn who's going to coach my team. Well, we'll, well try not, Scott's not allowed to talk. Anyway, what? Carlos, your mate Kevin Musket has retired and can't play anymore. Do you want him back now that you mentioned hacks should be played as centre-backs? That's Tom in Greenvale. Yeah, look, Tommy. He's I, a bit better than a hack. Yeah, no, no. Look, I, I joke when I talk about hacks, but, you know, ball-playing centre-halves are a thorn in the side of the game. <laughs> right? You <laughs> should eradicate him forever. Too cocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ball-playing centre-halves. They're a bane. One's the got to know their limitations. They're, co- they're coach killers, they? right? They've got to so, know their limitations. Uh, so I don't, when I say hacks, they're not hacks. But... This is why I don't like strikers tracking back, Carlos. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing either. They've just, they just got to go and they just confuse everything. And then so a midfielder's, a midfielder's then best place to take penalties now, Vinny. You've moved away from your theory. <laughs> no, You've moved no, into the middle of the park. No, no. For penalties, you know, the back line. Absolutely. No, no, but I Kevin watch... Musket is a case in point. You know, rarely failed at their spot. Rarely. In, in the grand final, unfortunately. <laughs> well, um, you know, Carlos, that, that was you ma- unfortunate. You mentioned the uh, Channel 7 <laughs> stickers. Uh, Max in North Fitzroy, I think you, uh, he had brought back some fond memories. The Channel 7 sticker, there are still two up around Prince's Park, which you can see when walking the dog. Even make my dog smile. That's uh, Max in North Fitzroy. Thank you for that. There were some great people in that whole campaign. I mean, you know, the Monteleone family, uh, all they, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether Kaz is listening to us tonight, but, I mean, they, they paid for that protest campaign themselves and remember when they had the I don't know where were we where they had the big stage and there were like thousands outside of, Channel 7 was Studios that, yeah we went outside Channel 7 and, Studios and we delivered a ball <laughs> that's right that's right signed by the Four Diego's there, there were as thousands well. of people outside or hundreds of people outside and we we're all protesting uh, and we we're chanting nobody screws football like or soccer like seven and was that we, when we were we, radical yeah. yep, yep we were we were yeah. Bad, yeah. radical, we badass, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we had that poem shafted over lunch. Absolutely, that was a, yes, was, that was a big hit on the day too. Oh, people loved it. Yeah. Anyway, Ed, by the way, if you'd like a copy of that poem, just contact the Diego's. Yes. We, we 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 possibly overordered on the CDs. For Diego's at bigpond.com. Hey, um, Ed, it was the Matildas Olympic qualifier that got four hundred thousand plus viewers, and the FFA let the momentum slip. And right now, the women's game is trying to play catch up to the AFL women's AFL. 
Uh, but at least the FFA employees can console the, themselves with their million-dollar yeah. salaries. Geez, the FFA's copying a lot off the text. Yeah, message. look, I, I think it's uh, you know it's a, a national pastime having a go at the ruling bodies. But I think right now they they probably deserve it. I think they've. Uh, they, They've missed the they've boat. They've over-promised and under-delivered. Yeah, you know, they've talked about, again, high expectations with the amount of money they were going to get from TV rights. And we all thought it was going to be a four-year deal and it ended up being a six-year deal, which surprised a lot of people too. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I reckon, I don't know whether the clubs uh, and the owners and certainly the association of clubs, that new association of clubs, whether they've lost faith in the FFA for good now. I'm not quite sure whether that's going to be regained down the track. Just uh, changing subject a little bit here. Um, Aiden or Ajdin Hrustic, I'm not sure. sure how to say his first name. It's uh, A-J-D-I-N. Yeah. Um, he's a young Australian footballer who Ange Postacoglu would be very keen uh, to tie him to Australia. But uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, uh, who obviously, well, they're, they're, that's where his father's from, yep. uh, also very interested in the young star. Do you know anything about him? Uh, Aiden's actually playing at... Uh at Groningen with uh, Jason Davidson in Holland. And he's a kid, one of these prodigies, went over quite early, did the hard yards in Germany, I think at Schalke, and uh, was in the youth set up there doing really well. Couldn't break into the first team. He needed first-team football. I think he's around the 20-year-old mark. And uh, he got uh, transferred over to Groningen, and he, he's been knocking on the door of senior football there, got a game about five or six weeks ago, scored on debut, nice. a cracking goal. And from all reports, uh, of course, you know, talking to the Davidson family, they reckon he's hot property, and that's why uh, is it Bosnia or Serbia? It's Bosnia who, uh, Bosnia. yeah, they've, they've been looking at him for a while now. And I'm kind of uh, look knowing Ange, Ange would know a lot about this kid, uh, and I think uh, it's time to cap him, Ange, as quickly as, pop- po- as possible because <laughs> other people want him. Fantastic. And uh, hey, Brad Jones uh, is a, is a good story, isn't he? He. Uh, He's uh, Eredivisie side, Feyenoord. Um, Hasn't looked back since he left Liverpool. Yeah, no, good stuff yeah. for him because he, he, he and his family went through some hard times, of course. But, um, you know, congratulations to him. Got obviously regular game time. So, uh, you know, great news for Brad Jones. Can I say, and I, I don't mean to refer back to my trip and all the time, but one of the things between the Liverpool games, interestingly, I was amazed at the number of Dutch people that were in Liverpool. They fly over to watch Liverpool play, but they were... They were watching in the hotel the local derby or the derby between Feyenoord and Ajax. And I sat down and watched it naively. First of all, the stadium's very much like the ones in Germany that the stands almost go up and are on top of the... And you're talking, in this case, they were playing at Ajax, 60,000, and they were playing Feyenoord. And my understanding of Feyenoord's more like the, the working class versus the, the upper class of Ajax. And I'd never seen a more physical, harder game. They still physically separate the fans significantly because of unfortunate past violence. And the, and the dislike for each other is palpable. And it was amazing to watch. And for Finoid to win it for the first time after 18 years. And Dirk, Dirk Kout, at the age of 34 or 35, has gone back there to captain scores a hat-trick. And I hadn't seen highlights of the game, Carlos, but you were talking about oh, yeah. the scenes after the game. No, during the game, when Dirk Kout scored the goals, the crowd, the crowd just uh, were, were feral. 
they, they were just completely uh, overjoyed. And they, they, it seemed like, the, you know, the old VFL grounds where you got so many people in there, it seemed like people were hanging from the rafters. It's exactly <laughs> like the old Windy Hill. It's exactly, if you get a chance to watch the final highlights of the final game on the weekend when they won it, and they had to win to make sure they won uh, the area divisi, uh, it was like that. People were just hanging from from the rafters. It was such a big win. 18 years it was. And Warren, you'd be very, very happy. In the town square, uh, when they presented the team and, and, the, and the trophy, they sang You'll Never Walk Alone as good as... As good as any Liverpool cop crowd oh, I've ever heard. That's a bit of an exaggeration. Get, do you know how to use the internet? <laughs> get on the internet. With instruction. No, get on the internet and have just. And I, t- I dare you to, to ring me tomorrow and say, yeah, well, Carlos, you're wrong. I try not to talk to you week to week, but <laughs> I will. This is a text we like to get. Uh, listening from Beer Garden in Munich. Enjoying you guys. Oh. Thanks. There you go. Off the SEM app, I'm sure. And the one thing, I am European. I'm a European ignorant in terms of I don't actually normally rate football on the continent. But I have to say, having spent that time in Liverpool watching, you know, because there's so much BN sports and stuff, there's so much continental football coming in between Premier League games. It was an insight. And I'm sure that we've had guys that are playing in Holland and they're talking about stadiums of 10,000. And I watched Ajax play Feyenoord in a 60,000-seat stadium and it was like a Premier League game except better. And you hear, you hear Klopp talk about some of the stadiums in Germany where there's still standing room and they have the huge banners and, and, and stuff. I'm not saying that's gone out of the Premier League game, but I will say in stark contrast, they've moved to stadiums in England now. I was watching the West Ham game on the weekend and I was struck by how nice the stadium was, but it's nothing well, it's like Wembley. Upton Park. It's well, it's it, no, it's the City of London Stadium. Tottenham are going to play at Wembley. Oh, it's, okay. it's, yep. But... They're stadia, but they're not yeah. the old grounds no. in terms of the atmospheres. It's a little bit exciting that you've discovered Europe, Warren, I must say. <laughs> it, must be, it, you must be happy. I only want it, but can I say, I don't want to watch the riffraff games in, on the continent. Just show me the big games. Dortmund versus yeah. Bayern. Is you know, Real those, Madrid, Barcelona riffraff oh, that's for you? pretty big, but... <laughs> I haven't it's not watched funny one of that he calls it continental to... football. Yeah, I know. It's very old. No, on, on the continent. On the, on the, on continent. the continent. Football yeah. on the continent. Hey, we need to take a quick break and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Yeah, Pete's having fun uh, in <laughs> Munich. A uh, bit of a yeah. correspondence going on here. Oh, thanks Hope for the re- come early. Yeah, thanks for reading my shout out from Munich. I'm my third Stein, and you guys are making more and more sense. There you go. Three, three Steins is a fairly serious uh, crack at it. Oh, Should we be done, offended? I've done the no, beer tour when I was younger. Yeah, yes. In Germany, Kentucky tour, yeah, Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I I had one of those steins, and I was just I had to carry the bus. Yeah, I think I went to the same place you went <laughs> two yeah. or two or three years later, and you were still there somehow. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, I remember when I went to the Hofbrau House, and they had, I thought the what I thought was yeah. a urinal was actually the spew bowl because <laughs> it was too high for a urinal. That's Amazing. Funny. Hey, uh, before we before we uh, go, it's very interesting La Liga. Barcelona and ah. Real Madrid fighting it out for top, top spots. So we've got about 30 seconds. Tomorrow to... morning, guys, yeah. uh, Real Madrid, Celta Vigo at Celta's ground. Mm. And, uh, and uh, you know the other mystery to this one? Because uh, it's going to be a tough game for Real Madrid. But uh, if Cristiano Ronaldo gets a yellow card, he can't play on the weekend. <laughs> oh, no. so that's, uh, the they thing. don't put up enough fight mid-table teams in, in Spain. <laughs> so 
Real Madrid for That's me right. on the continent. Hey, uh, well they've got <laughs> a game in they've got a game in hand too, Real Madrid. So yeah. uh, La Liga is theirs for the taking. But uh, you never know what happens in the last couple of games of the year. Yeah. That's it for this uh, week's show. It's been, uh, it's been a big show tonight. Mike McGrath, thanks to him, and thanks for your text messages tonight. So remember, Cuddleosh. Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out. Woo there. there. Wherever you Samba, Rumba, and La Bamba. Woo there. there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. Woo there. there. Wherever gringos play football. Woo there. there. We are the Four Diego. Ole. Ole.